You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, everyone, and welcome to an episode of Falato on Football here on the Big Blue View Radio Network. I am Nick Falato, and we are going to talk about this week three slate of games. Very disappointing slate of games if you're a New York Giants fan as the Giants failed to record their first victory of the season allowing the Atlanta Falcons who have surrendered over 40 points a game over the first two games to come into their building and defeat them 17 to 14 this Giants offense put 14 points on the freaking board that is inexcusable and I get it there was no Darius Slayton for most of the game no Sterling Shepard but there was no resiliency and adaptability from this offense specifically with this offense's tendency to shoot themselves in the foot with stupid penalties down the stretch of the game and especially when the Giants actually start getting an offensive rhythm they end up holding or committing a false start or snapping the ball too high for Daniel Jones and these mistakes just mount on top of each other and compound while the Giants offense is forced to settle for three points and settle for three points and settle for three points and you know what the defense only allowed 17 points in this game and I get it the defense they broke they were bending most of the game then they weren't bending because they were actually holding off Matt Ryan and this other offense, but then they eventually broke. 15-play drive led to a touchdown, and then they allowed basically that backside 28-yard screen to Cordero Patterson, and then that other long pass to Kyle Pitts to put Young Hoku into a position to kick the game-winning field goal, which ended up happening, and the Giants walk away from MetLife Stadium 0-3, All three of these games could have been winnable. I think you can argue that the Broncos right now are... I mean, they haven't really played anybody, to be honest. Played the Giants, the Jets, and the Jags. But they're 3-0, and I think they're a better football team than the Giants. But the Giants really just lost the game against Washington, who just got the break speed off them by Buffalo. And then this Atlanta game, this was a very winnable game. But this offense just can't get going. And Daniel Jones actually didn't play terribly in this affair. And I'll break this game down in more detail on the Chris and Joe show, so please go and tune into that. I'll be dropping sometime early this week, shortly after this episode appears on your podcast stream. But this offense scoring 14 points against this Atlanta defense without A.J. Terrell, it's inexcusable. The head coach, Joe Judge, is very, very conservative, punting the football on a fourth and four on the 39-yard line when your third and four play, it might have even been third and three, to be honest, was two go routes on the outside and an in. It's, and that's late in the third quarter, man. These decisions, we've seen them happen a lot in 2020. And I just think it's the nature of Joe Judge. He plays it close to the vest. He's more conservative. He doesn't take risks. And you know what? Sometimes the bold get rewarded in football. And it doesn't seem like the Giants are necessarily that type of team. 
They can't stop making mistakes, and they can't win a football game right now. They can't mount consistent offense, and when it matters on defense, they end up breaking, and they are just letting opportunities slide through their fingers. I mean, we had two dropped interceptions with Logan Ryan and Adoree Jackson. The Adoree Jackson one could have realistically secured that win, and sometimes it just comes down to one play. If you just made that one play, then possibly that loss could have been flipped to a win, but it doesn't seem like the Giants are capable of flipping these losses to wins because whenever those plays present themselves they do not capitalize and that is what bad football teams do they do not capitalize in situations that can help them rise above and I think the talent on paper here for the New York Giants is much better than the product we have seen which points to coaching to be honest now I know the offensive line doesn't quite live up to what I just said I think the offensive line is definitely the low point of this roster but we're not seeing the best from Logan Ryan we're not seeing the best from Jabril Peppers we're not seeing the best from Leonard Williams who had his first sack of the season in this game we're not seeing the best from Kenny Galladay who's a little bit dinged up but the unfortunate reality about the Giants right now is this schedule you have the Saints and the Cowboys two straight home games and then you have to play in the next several games you got to play the Carolina Panthers you got to play the Raiders you have to play the Tampa Bay Buccaneers coming off the bye week before that you have to play the Chiefs the schedule does not get easy this is a difficult schedule and these first three games were winnable and the Giants didn't win one of them so this could be a very very long season New York Giants fans but we're going to be right here at Big Blue View trying to give our objective analysis on this team. But this podcast isn't all about the Giants, okay? We're going to dive into the NFL here on Full Auto on Football. So let's start with the Washington football team who defeated the Giants on Thursday Night Football last week, and they got beat really bad by the Buffalo Bills, 43-21. to And honestly, it doesn't even really do the game justice on how bad of a beating that was. Washington's defense has been really, really bad, and we got to see the MVP, Josh Allen, who ended up putting up 358 yards and four touchdowns, got two to Emmanuel Sanders, one to Zach Moss, one to Dawson Knox. He was slinging the ball all around the field, added a rushing touchdown as well. It was great to see Antonio Gibson get involved in the receiving game for fantasy purposes. He had that one long screen catch that went 73 yards for a touchdown, one of the better individual plays I've seen, but other than that Washington didn't really do much they had a garbage time touchdown I believe Taylor Heineke had a rushing touchdown at some point but it was all the Buffalo Bills it was all the Buffalo Bills defense and they were harassing Heineke all game I know they only ended up getting a sack but it just seemed like the Bills defense is the real deal and then you look across the aisle at Washington's defense and they couldn't get after Josh Allen they couldn't create pressure they couldn't force turnovers Washington's defense is not what we expected them to be. Chase Young, Montez Sweat, they're excellent talents, but they haven't put it all together in 2021 under Jack Del Rio. And if you're a Bills fan right now, you have to be looking around the league and being like, the Kansas City Chiefs are one and two. They seem somewhat vulnerable. They seem like they can lose football games. And I don't know what happened in week one, ladies and gentlemen, when the Buffalo Bills allowed the Pittsburgh Steelers to win in Buffalo Stadium like that's insane to me because the Pittsburgh Steelers are kind of horrendous right now offensively but look at what Buffalo has done the last two games they just shut out 
the Miami Dolphins last week, and then they come up and they just beat Washington on an extended week of rest. So if I'm a Bills fan, I'm feeling pretty, pretty damn good right now. When I look around the AFC, I look within my own division, and I see who's the biggest threat. Possibly the New England Patriots. It's certainly not the Jets. And then you have the Miami Dolphins with Tua banged up, and they had a nice game where they just ended up losing in overtime to the Las Vegas Raiders. Made it very, very interesting. Credit to Jacoby Brissett, who played really well in that game, but they still ended up losing. So this is Buffalo's division, and with the Chiefs struggling, there's a realistic window where Buffalo can capitalize. So it should be exciting to see what ends up happening. Let's move on to the Chicago Bears and the Cleveland Browns. Quickly touch on, try to quickly touch on every game here. Look, the Browns beat up on the Bears 26 to 6. And it's it's kind of amazing when, when you look at the stats here. And this just goes to speak to in a negative manner about Matt Nagy's coaching ability and how he didn't alter this offense to maximize what Justin Fields can do. Rather, he kind of kept the offense bland and the same type of offense that he used with Andy Dalton. Justin Fields went 6 of 20 for 68 yards. The total yards for Chicago's offense was 47. 47 yards, and that's because Fields was sacked so many times that he ended up losing yards, so he had more passing yards than yards that was actually accounted for on paper, because Fields was sacked nine times for 67 yards. And Fields did not look great. None of these rookie quarterbacks really looked great, to be honest. Zach Wilson looked horrendous against Denver. Mac Jones threw three picks against New Orleans, even though one of them was Jonu Smith's fault. The other one was like at the end of the game, so it really was only one pick. And they were actually, the New England Patriots were taking shots down the field with him. So all that talk about Mac Jones not taking shots and the offense being way too conservative under with Mac Jones as quarterback, they were taking shots. They just weren't connecting on the shots. But Trevor Lawrence just keeps turning the football over through another pick six against Arizona. All of these rookie quarterbacks seem to be struggling. Trey Lance got a rushing touchdown, which is good, but he's not the starter right now. Justin Fields, this was a terrible first start for him against the Cleveland Browns, who clicked on all cylinders. Odell Beckham Jr. came back at nine targets, caught five for 77. The rushing attack led by Kareem Hunt in this game. In terms of yards per carry, you went 8.1 yards per carry, 10 carries for 81 yards, and a touchdown. Nick Chubb had 22 carries for 84 yards. And then Baker Mayfield didn't have to do all that much, found Austin Hooper for a touchdown, and the Browns just kind of rolled to a victory here against a Bears team who do not look good, which is great for the New York Giants because the Giants have the Bears pick. But now the Browns have to go to Minnesota and play the Vikings, a team that is surging right now the Minnesota Vikings I say surging even though the fa- even though they they're one and two they just won this game against the Seattle Seahawks 30 to 17 but this was a game where they had to win they were down their star running back Dalvin Cook and Alexander Madison filled in well 26 carries for 112 yards but Kirk Cousins was just on fire 30 of 38 for 323 yards and three touchdowns one to Tyler Conklin one to Justin Jefferson went north of 100 yards and then another one to Adam Thielen and this Vikings defense actually finally clamped down on a really good offense led by Russell Wilson who threw for 298 yards and only one touchdown DK Metcalf finally got going had a touchdown for 107 yards six catches and nine targets but overall Seattle couldn't do much against Minnesota Kirk Cousins was just pinpoint he was efficient as I said before 30 of 38 and if you think about the Vikings yeah they're one and two right now but they could easily be three and oh and I know you could say that about a lot of a lot of different teams but they missed a field goal to win a game last week 
And then the week before, Dalvin Cook put the ball on the ground against the Bengals, and the Bengals ended up recovering and, and winning that football game. They could really, really easily be 3-0 and right now, and they get the Browns next week. Kudos to Mike Zimmer and this Minnesota Vikings team to rise above the fact that they lost Dalvin Cook, which was an unfortunate injury last week, even though it seemed like he was going to play. He was ruled out prior to the game, and Alexander Madison filled in quite well. Baltimore and Detroit, <laughs> the Detroit Lions, they could be 2-1 and one, to be honest. They almost came back against the San Francisco 49ers in week one. They ended up losing that game, and then they were right there to win this football game against the Lamar Jackson-led Baltimore Ravens, and a ridiculous field goal ends up going through for Justin Tucker, but before that, there was a fourth and long conversion by the Ravens. It was a fourth and 19. Lamar Jackson found Sammy Watkins for 36 yards to help set up a 66-yard field goal attempt by Justin Tucker, which is the longest in NFL history. And Tucker hits the crossbar, bounces up in the air, and goes in as time expires. The Ravens walk away with a victory 19-17. to which is incredible. Just a terrible gut-wrenching type of loss. And credit to Detroit for even being in this game. And Dan Campbell, he's over there eating kneecaps and doing his thing. But you know what? His teams are competing. And even against the Green Bay Packers, they got blown out in that game. But in the first half, it was at least entertaining. And Jared Goff was able to lead a couple interesting drives. So I like to just tip my cap to them and also just like kind of like grab my stomach and just shrink because that kind of loss is so gut-wrenching. I feel like every Giant fan can relate to a loss similar to that. A 66-yard field goal that bounces off the crossbar and goes through prevents the Detroit Lions and Dan Campbell from getting his first win as the, the Detroit Lions head coach. And that wasn't the only wacky special teams play that ended up happening on this slate. Matt Prater attempted a 68-yard field goal attempt at the end of the first half. He's the kicker for the Arizona Cardinals, who ended up winning this game 31-19 against the Jacksonville Jaguars. But Prater kicks this, and Jamal Agnew returns the field goal, which was just short, 109 yards for a touchdown as time expired in the first half. That's amazing right there, 109 yards. That's Antonio Cromartie type stuff that just never happens. It's the longest play in NFL history because you can't go longer than 109 yards. And that's the uh, duality of trying to kick a really long field goal. And if you do not put enough leg into it, then it could be a touchdown because Jamal Agnew is significantly more athletic than all the linemen, backup quarterbacks, and kickers who are probably out on the field during special teams. And it might not be a backup quarterback. It could be a punter, but you get my drift here. And it's either you could try that field goal, gamble on the three points, possibly it could be a 10-point swing and the other team returns it for a touchdown. Doesn't happen often. Happened here for Jacksonville, but not many other th- good things happened. Trevor Lawrence did throw a touchdown pass to DJ Chark. It was a beautiful pass on a seven route in the back pylon. James Robinson really was able to establish a run at 15 carries for 88 yards. It was good to see Urban Meyer actually handing the rock off to James Robinson and not throwing the corpse of Carlos Hyde out there, who actually ended up having a good game as well. But James Robinson is a superior talent to Hyde at their junctures of their careers right now. Now, 
Trevor Lawrence, one of the rookie quarterbacks that did struggle, he did throw a pick six in this game. He also had another interception. DeAndre Hopkins was a non-factor after not really practicing at all all week. He had three catches for 21 yards. Kyler Murray didn't have to do all that much with his arm, although he did throw for 316 yards. was very efficient, was 28 of 34, did have an interception, and he also had a rushing touchdown. But the Cardinals are a better team than Jacksonville. It was interesting to say the least when the game was close, but the 17-point third quarter by the Cardinals ensured that the Jacksonville Jaguars were not going to come back and win this football game coached by Urban Meyer. So, Kyler Murray in the desert, shout out to Phoenix, even though they're in Glendale. They're 3-0 right now, and Jacksonville joins the Giants at 0-3. Moving on to the Chiefs and the Chargers. We talked briefly about the Chiefs earlier, and I think it's important, too, because... Chiefs are one and two now, which is just weird to say. The Chargers are two and one. They get this victory. I mean, Brandon Staley, you can't say enough good things about Staley right now. You can just really tell he has his pulse on what this offense is doing, even though he's a defensive minded coach. He trusts Justin Herbert, who went off in this game 281 yards, four touchdowns. It's 26 of 38, and they were fighting Mike Williams for two touchdowns. Keenan Allen had a touchdown. Austin Eckler had a touchdown. And this Kansas City Chiefs defense couldn't really do anything to slow down the passing attack, the aerial attack of Los Angeles. And you know what? Kansas City was actually able to get some sort of ground game going with Clyde Edwards-Elair, who had 17 carries, went for 100 yards, also fumbled the football. Frustrating CEH can be a frustrating player to have in fantasy, to be honest. But this Chargers defense in general just was able to stifle Patrick Mahomes, finished 27-44 for 260 yards, three touchdowns, which is a lot. All happened, I believe, in the second half. And then he had two interceptions as well. Now, One of them was off a no-look pass where he threw it to one of his backup tight ends and it kind of was off target, bounced off his tight end into the air and then was picked off by the Chargers. But the fact that Pat Mahomes is considering throwing deep because Los Angeles has a too-high shell going on, play a lot of cover four, cover six type of defenses, you know, tight fronts, that's what Brendan Staley likes to do, play gap and a half type of defense take away those deep passes, allow teams to just kind of try and attempt to nickel and dime you. But when you have good defensive players who rally to the football, you can really force third down situations where you can either dial up the blitz, play man coverage, or stay in zone. And Brendan Staley just has done a wonderful job adjusting to modern offenses, and he's the new hotness for defensive minded head coach as Sean McVay was the offensive coach that everybody was dying to get Brendan Staley is the defensive coach that a lot of people are going to attempt to replicate he comes from the Vic Fangio coaching tree who was the head coach of the Broncos and he gets his first win at Arrowhead and that is a tall task against the Chiefs against Pat Mahomes also side note Andy Reid left after this game and went into an ambulance, went to the hospital, wasn't feeling all that well. I don't have any updates on that, but I wanted to acknowledge it. We hope Andy Reid gets well soon. Then we have the Patriots losing 28-13 to to the Saints. And I touched on Mac Jones a little bit earlier. He threw 51 passes. Like I said, he was airing it out downfield. There just wasn't a lot of connection there. The three interceptions, I would say two of them probably weren't as much his fault. I don't think I've ever seen a player be as inefficient and terrible and detrimental to his team like Jonu Smith was in this game. I guess it's a tight end thing if everybody knows what I'm talking about, but Jonu Smith had six targets in his game and caught one of them for four yards, caused an interception, and also 
dropped a third down pass. I think he had like three or four drops in this game. It was horrendous for Jonu Smith. And between Jonu Smith and Nelson Aguilar, they have 14 targets for 21 yards. That is really, really bad. And it's not going to get too much better for the Patriots who get the host the Tampa Bay Buccaneers next week. Tom Brady come back to New England. It's going to be a crazy game. And New England has to figure their team out right now. They just lost James White to an injury as well. It seemed like somewhat of a serious injury. I'm sure there'll be updates by the time everyone listens to this. But man, the Buccaneers defense against this Patriots offense, this boring Patriots offense, and then Tom Brady in New England in a Buccaneers uniform. Wow. But James Winston was able to restabilize his offense, he only completed 13 passes of 21 attempts, two touchdowns. Avon Kamara had 24 carries, 89 yards, caught a touchdown pass. Taysom Hill also had a rushing touchdown in this game. And Marquez Callaway finally showed up in the season and came away with an impressive contested catch touchdown as well, ripping the ball away from a New England defender. The Denver Broncos shut out the Jets. They were all over Zach Wilson, and they just dominated the game. Zach Wilson completed 19 passes out of 35 for 160 yards and threw two interceptions in this game. 26 to nothing. Denver Broncos. Teddy Bridgewater continues to look really efficient. 19 of 25 for 235 yards. Did not throw a touchdown. Did not throw an interception. But Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon both had rushing touchdowns in this game. Cortland Sutton didn't have the blow-up game that he had last week, but he did catch five balls on five targets for 37 yards. The Jets are just not looking pretty whatsoever right now and they get to face the Tennessee Titans at home next week before facing the Falcons the following week then we have the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Rams now this one Tampa Bay loses this game 24 to 34 and Sean McVay gets his guy everybody Sean McVay gets Matt Stafford Matt Stafford is the quarterback that Sean McVay has been waiting for. Jared Goff, he was a fine quarterback. He helped lead the Rams to the championship and NFC title, but to the Super Bowl. But Matt Stafford, that arm, his ability to do whatever McVay wants to do, his brain, it just takes this offense to the next level. Something that Sean McVay has been desperately wanting, especially since last season. We've all seen it. And when you watch this game, I mean, Matt Stafford, I think he went one of six to start this game, but he finished 27 of 38 for 343 yards and four touchdowns. They scored on six straight possessions, the Rams. I mean, Deshaun Jackson looks like Deshaun Jackson from 2012. He finished this game with three catches for 120 yards and a touchdown. Cooper Cup, nine for 96 and two touchdowns on 12 targets. Robert Woods, three of 33. Now, he's the guy, it seems like he's been the odd man out. Anybody who has Robert Woods in fantasy is hoping that some regression goes towards him because Cooper Cup has been just gobbling it all up with the coffee narrative. But you can't deny the rapport that Stafford and Cup have. And you saw Sean McVay in this game just so excited, running down the field, sprinting, celebrating after these touchdowns against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a defense that just won the Super Bowl. Yeah, they have a couple injuries on the back end. But this is a Super Bowl caliber team. And the Buccaneers lost. I mean, the Rams right now, they have to be the front runner, right? They have to be number one on the power rankings. I, you, I can't name another team that would, that would be over them at the moment. Because the Buccaneers, they just beat them by 10 points at home. 
And the Chiefs just lost their second consecutive game. The Rams are the team to beat right now. And they did this without Daryl Henderson, the starting running back. Sony Michelle, he Sony Michelle did up. You know, he had 20 carries, 67 hard-earned yards, not the best yards per carry, but he was picking up first downs when he needed to. A lot of it was in garbage time when the Rams were up here. Because this game wasn't even as close as 34 to 24. Tom Brady was able to throw a late touchdown pass to Giovanni Bernard who finished this game with 9 catches for 51 yards. And this is where Giovanni Bernard is going to have a role in games like this, against teams like this. But if Stafford and this Sean McVay coach team continue to do this, man, they are going to be dangerous. They're going to be very dangerous, and the NFC Championship could run through Los Angeles. But there is so much football left to be played. So much still has to happen. But still very, very impressive. Before I get into... Some more games. Let's take a quick break to hear a word from our sponsors. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. We talked about this game a little bit before. The Raiders defeated the Dolphins in overtime 31-28. And this was one of those overtime games where both teams scored field goals and kind of traded possessions until the Raiders were able to kick another field goal to get and secure this victory. A 31-28 victory where the Raiders are now 3-0. And this was almost that upset game so many people expected out of this John Gruden coach team. Because of Jacoby Brissett, man. 32-49 for 215 yards. Had a rushing touchdown. Added 37 yards on the ground. Didn't do much with his arm in terms of throwing down the field, stretching the field. He hit Mike Kosicki on a nice 27-yard gain. But other than that... Couldn't really connect with Will Fuller on deep shots, even though he tried. Same with Jalen Waddle, who ended up with 12 catches for 58 yards. A lot of it was just around the line of scrimmage. And Miles Gaskin also did solid on the ground, 13 carries for 65 yards. But the Raiders, man, are 3-0. and How crazy is that? Off the back of Peyton Barber, rushing for 23 times for 111 yards. How crazy is that? And a touchdown. Peyton Barber. It's not Kenyon Drake. Kenyon Drake has his role as the pass-catching back change of pace guy when Josh Jacobs isn't there it's Peyton Barber and Peyton Barber was able to rush for north of 100 yards 111 yards think about how crazy this is what year is it Derek Carr 26 of 43 for 386 yards two touchdowns and an interception this guy almost had a 400 yard game on 26 completions he is airing it out all over the field I mean Brian Edwards had three catches for 89 yards that's an average of about 30 yards a catch Think about how ridiculously crazy that is. That's nuts. Henry Ruggs, 4 of 78 on 7 targets. Darren Waller, 5 of 54 on 7. Derek Carr is just spreading the ball around, and I'm happy for him too. And I talked about this on last week's podcast. Derek Carr, John Gruden, a lot of people thought that marriage would never last, and Carr may last a year. Well, now he's several years into it, and he has the Raiders at 3-0. And this is 3-0 in a very, very tough division. We know 
They have the Chiefs, and we know they have the Chargers. They have to travel to Los Angeles and play the Chargers next week. That is not going to be an easy game. It is prime time. I believe it's Monday night football, so I am looking forward to that matchup. It's going to be a true challenge for the Raiders, who have been challenged several times. I mean, they defeated the Ravens. They went to Pittsburgh on a short week, and they beat Pittsburgh, and then they just beat Miami. So we'll see. The Raiders are truly, truly the real deal. But getting off to a 3-0 start is excellent for this John Gruden-led team. The fact that they were able to not allow Miami to pull that upset, despite the fact that they led a pretty strong fourth-quarter comeback, where Jacoby Brissett almost pulled off the upset, but was just a little bit too short there. Speaking of too short, the Indianapolis Colts joined the Giants. Join the Jets at 0-3. Join the Jags because they lost to the Tennessee Titans in Tennessee 25-16. Carson Wentz with two sprained ankles played this game. Didn't throw any touchdowns. Was 19-37 for 194 yards. Did not look comfortable out there from everything that I saw. He really targeted Michael Pittman Jr., which is excellent for his fantasy value, but he didn't really turn it into a great fantasy game. He had 12 targets, caught six of them for 68 yards. But this game was just a lot of Derrick Henry, 28 carries for 113 yards, and then Ryan Tannehill kind of breaking out of his fantasy funk, which he should have last week, but that bad call with the Julio Jones touchdown, when they took that away, did not go in his favor and all the drop passes by A.J. Brown who actually left this game with an injury also did not help him but Ryan Tannehill finished this game 197 yards three touchdowns and then two interceptions touchdowns went to Nick Westbrook Akina who filled in for A.J. Brown Jeremy Nichols the backup running back and then Chester Rogers the former Colt in the revenge game right here this game wasn't all that exciting it seemed like the Titans kind of controlled it from everything I saw they controlled time of possession had more first downs But they did turn the football over more, but it didn't end up mattering because the Colts couldn't do a lot on offense. So Tennessee ends up getting this victory. And then we have the Bengals and the Steelers. Bengals go to 2-1 as the Steelers fall to 1-2 as Pittsburgh loses at home to Cincinnati 24-10. I mean, think about that. The Cincinnati Bengals, I feel like I saw a stat where they they haven't won by this much in Pittsburgh since 1995. By 14 points that's not that many points and they play each other every year twice a year so that's that's crazy to me and I don't even remember the last time the Bengals defeated Pittsburgh in Pittsburgh I remember that they took Pittsburgh to task last year and defeated them in Cincinnati that was the game where Juju Smith-Schuster got lit up after dancing on the Bengals logo but in Pittsburgh that's a tough place to play and I know they didn't have TJ Watt but the Bengals took them down without their star receiver T Higgins Joe Burrow was 14 of 18 I mean they're really hiding Joe Burrow right now he's not throwing a lot it's a heavy heavy dose of Joe Mixon who had 18 carries for 90 yards but Burrow 14 completions he threw three touchdown passes two to Jamar Chase who finished the game four of 65 on five targets and then another to Tyler Boyd who finished four for 36 on six targets and the Bengals offense was able to do just enough to beat the Pittsburgh Steelers, who couldn't get out of their own way. And Ben Roethlisberger threw two picks, one right to Logan Wilson, stud linebacker in the making. And Najee Harris couldn't get this running game going, and it's not on Najee Harris. He had 2.9 yards per carry, 14 carries for 40 yards. This offensive line doesn't generate any push at the point of attack. The Pittsburgh Steelers' offense is so predictable. They rely so heavily on the quick game, get the ball out of Ben Roethlisberger's arm because he can't really attack vertically like he used to. 
and they can't run the football. So they just throw the ball short to Najee Harris, who had 19 targets in this game and caught 14 of them for 102 yards. Chase Claypool, 15 targets, caught 9 of them for 96 yards. And then he just spreads the ball around to Pat Fryer, Juju Smith-Schuster, Ray Ray McLeod, James Washington, Cody White. You can name it, but the offense is predictable and defenses have figured it out at this point. And Pittsburgh, they have they have a lot of work to do. They really do because their quarterback can't really, like I said, can't stress vertically. They can't run the football. So defenses just are aware of what you're doing. You're trying to throw short. We're going to sit on all these routes. And we're going to rally to the football. And you can get two, three yards on every play. But guess what? It's going to be a third down, and we're not going to allow you to do what you want to do on third down. So the Steelers are, this is definitely a team that I would be concerned with if I was a fan of. And I say that as a Giants fan, somebody who covers the Giants. So at least Pittsburgh has a win, right? But they lose this game. They they lose it pretty badly to a team where typically Pittsburgh is the big older brother. Not anymore. And then the schedule doesn't get much easier for them because they have to go to Green Bay and play the Packers next week. And then they host the Broncos and the Seahawks. And those are not easy games whatsoever. And other than that, we have the Packers game, which I'll briefly want to touch on. It was Sunday Night Football. Packers win this game 30-28 to after Aaron Rodgers attacked the soft zone defense of the 49ers who looked like they were going to win this football game with about a minute left in the game Aaron Rodgers finds Devontae Adams down the field in the middle of the field on a six play 42 yard drive that took 37 seconds to set up a Mason Crosby 51 yard field goal attempt where Mason Crosby drilled it and San Francisco loses. They get their first loss of the season. Green Bay goes to 2-1. and one. This game, it seemed like Green Bay was going to win it right from the onset. Green Bay was controlling the game. San Francisco's offense couldn't do anything. But then the last drive of the first half, San Francisco drives down the field. There's a couple penalties against Green Bay that definitely were a little ticky-tacky. One on Eric Stokes. There was another one. There was a offsetting penalties on Dean Lowry and, and Brunskill, the the offensive lineman of the 49ers, which set up a Trey Lance one-yard touchdown run, which was a nice play call by Kyle Shanahan taking Jimmy Garoppolo out, putting the kid in, and that kind of sparked this team because San Francisco started the next drive, and they had a 13-play, 83-yard drive that was capped off by an eight-yard touchdown pass from Garoppolo to Brandon Ayuk, somebody who hasn't really played at all it seems like this season until this game he his snaps have been limited he had a hamstring injury in camp some people speculated he was in the doghouse for Shanahan even though he denied that but he was able to get on the field and play in this affair and it was more Brendan Ayuk than it was Debo Samuel in this game but at the end of the day Aaron Rodgers ended up finding Marquez Valdez Scantling on a 12-yard touchdown pass and then San Francisco the very next drive scored with Trey Sermon and the two teams kind of just traded punches. And even late in the game, in the fourth quarter, San Francisco led an eight-play, 75-yard drive that was capped off by a Kyle Juszczyk touchdown. And you, everyone was thinking, okay, this is going to be Jimmy Garoppolo and the San Francisco 49ers winning this game. There's 37 seconds left, but 37 seconds is enough for Aaron Rodgers to get in a field goal range. That's exactly what the Green Bay Packers do. The battle Matt LaFleur, Kyle Shanahan goes to LaFleur in this game, goes to Aaron Rodgers, and now we have two 2-1 two teams in the NFC. San Francisco is 2-1, and, and you look at their division right now with, with the NFC West. I mean, you have the Los Angeles Rams 
the Arizona Cardinals, both 3-0. San Francisco's 2-1, and and Seattle drops to 1-2. and That is a stacked division. No one's even writing off Seattle right now. Arizona starting 3-0, scored over 100 points already. Their points against is only at 65 compared to Los Angeles, who's at 62. So that division's really, really good. 49ers, they'll get back on track. They have to play the Seahawks next week, and then they have to go to Arizona to play the Cardinals in Glendale. Shout out. So I think this is going to be a very, very interesting division to monitor, unlike the NFC East right now. But we're not going to talk about that. Anyways, everybody, thank you very much for listening to this. Please head on over to Big Blue View and check out all of our work on the New York Giants, on the league, on fantasy football. We do a lot of stuff over there. Please check us out. Please rate, subscribe, and review this podcast. And take care, be safe, and also just have a lovely day. Bye-bye now. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.